0: So I guess everything is clear. (laughs) All the doubts have gone.
1: So how do you deal with somebody who you know, they're talking to you or they write to you and their thoughts are running away with them and you know it's their thoughts and it's not reality? Mm. For example, I have a daughter who her thoughts sort of seem to govern her, you know, and she'll come, oh, mum, this, that, that, and it's her thoughts, mm. it's not reality. How do you, how would you uh, approach that with something? Is she
0: asking you to approach her with her
1: thoughts? No, no, it's um, like she may say, for example, you treat my... Brother totally different to me is because he's a man, and i'm not and and you know real rubbish stuff, but it's all in her mind it's her thoughts and it's well you can just be a,
0: you know you can you can you can serve as a sort of um rubbish bin for her thoughts, you know, which means yes. you can just listen to her it's like yeah. listening to somebody you know they it's their stories, you know that's how she sees it. And sometimes it's not really necessary to intervene, particularly because people might, she might not be open to any, you know. But there may be a time, I'm sure, a situation where you probably can sit down and just, um, go through this with her, you know, ask her, is that really what you think? Or, you know, maybe just help her to question the validity or the reality of her thinking. You know, I think that might be helpful if she's open to it. Thank you. One of the problems I find sometimes. Closer. Just a bit closer to you. I don't know if it's on. Yeah. One of the problems I find sometimes, that you may be so engrossed in your thinking, you cannot break out of that cycle. That's right. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's one of the big problems. How can you do that? When you're so engrossed in your thinking, you can't yeah. break it, you can't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, 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 the awareness that this is what's happening is already a break. Do you know what I mean? We are very good at trying to find uh, obstacles for what's happening to us, rather than to look at it. The, uh, the, the, the what I, I like the image of the very ordinary image of the the cup half full. So the very fact that you ask this question is already a very good sign. Do you know what I mean? That's already um, directing your mind towards um, the way out of this habit. And then from then on, you can actually, instead of thinking of, instead of talking to me about, you know, uh, saying it's difficult, it's the most difficult thing, da, 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 which may be true. Maybe to start looking in a different direction, you know, how can I support myself, sustain my capacity to be aware of this tendency? You know, what, what is it that can help me to notice this? Already you've noticed it, so it's very good. That noticing really leads you onward towards more clarity, more consciousness, more ability to catch yourself when this is happening. And perhaps the most important thing, not to get upset about this tendency you have, because one of the danger of um, adopting a path of practice, is that you can, for a while, live in two worlds. You have the world of how it should be, according to the books, Buddhism, the teachers, and your friends, and what's happening in you. And, uh, you know, it's very easy to start being very critical, even more critical, once you've adopted the Buddhist teaching in your life. Because the habits of comparing what's good and bad, and so on, continue to play out. And at some point you say, I'd rather be stupid and not take on board Buddhism, I've had enough. Of course, that won't happen for too long, you know, but being discouraged, feel discouraged, you know. So, for you, I think it's very nice that the fact that you notice that, that you are uh, now, you have to ask yourself. You know, why am I interested in that? Is it really useful to be interested in that? You know, what is it that draws my curiosity to this? You know, why? What makes me question this? So I don't know the context in which you're asking this question, the situation, anything. But it's just the, the the consciousness and awareness will will always be. Able, they have the capacity to balance things out. It's like don't ask me rationally, but experientially, I notice that when you're aware of something, it's like instead of uh, you know uh, a mind swinging right and left and right and left all the time, suddenly this moment of awareness takes you to the more a balanced view on something, and not only it balances, but it stops. The, 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 the magnitude of the swings, you know, you can actually just go back to the center more quickly. And that means that when it happens, when you find yourself caught into being obsessive in thinking, or not obsessive, we're talking about so concentrated that you can't break break the, 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 the train of thoughts, you know, that it has already fluidified that tendency. It's already made it less solid. It's really magic, you know. It does work. It's amazing. I always tend to think it's like awareness. It's like space, you know. It's just my, 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 how I interpret it. Um, You know, it's like space. And when you bring space into this uh, situation, you know, your mind or you create enough there's enough you it's almost like you're imbuing something with space spaciousness and then you can see more its quality of not unreal you know sort of not so solid you know fluidity quality of a, a fluid quality to it rather than a solid block you know yeah so Instead of uh, asking, um, you know, saying to yourself, um, um, yeah, I can see this is what's happening, but it's so difficult. Say, I can see what's happening and what can help me. Maybe that's what you were asking me. And what can help you is just to be interested in this question. That is... Relating to a particular situation in yourself or externally, I don't know. And that will lead you on to an answer, or maybe no answer, but to a, a deeper understanding of these habits, you know. Yeah. Why don't you come a bit forward? It would be good, wouldn't it? Come in the front row here, there's a room just for you there. There's one, one empty seat there. Sorry to put you on the spot a bit. No, look, even on a chair, if you want to sit on a chair, we're okay. Somebody can pass the microphone to this gentleman.
2: Thank you. Um, I, I heard what you, you said. Uh, I think for me, that sometimes what happens is it's the instantaneous um, thought that arises. And it's almost like, uh, say, standing on the edge of a a waterfall. And before you know it, once that thought has arisen, you've got no opportunity to to grasp onto anything. Yeah. And then you tumble into a whole series of of thoughts into the the void. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there is a a way that you can... uh, preempt that thought before it happens
0: how can i stop thinking <laughs> <laughs> well um to preempt that thought i mean mindfulness is required you know but sometimes it's very difficult to stop a thought you know so once your thought so has a reason is, um, you know, the ability, you can use many things to stop thinking. I mean, I didn't even address it in the talk, you know, but there's many things you can, you can use. Um, but you have to do it very skillfully because it can actually backlash on you. Is that the right word? You know, sort of. Backlash means you can have a strong reaction. If you press something too much down, it will just kind of push up and blow up. But if you do it consciously, like with a thought, for example, you can use even just a word, you know, budo, budo, like a little mantra. Because the nature of thought is comes and goes and comes and goes, it's empty of self, you know, it's empty of me, and it's you know painful. So basically the mind is not really... In its, I mean, in its sort of, um, the mind is, you know, is, I could say the foundation of the mind is not, is doesn't, I don't think it it wants to be attached to things that makes it miserable. Do you understand? Because the, you could say the mind that's not attached, the the mind that is not identified, is a very happy mind. It's much more bright and happy and spacious and free. And so when you, when you bring, uh, you know, knowing that, a lot of the practice has to do with it also within the whole context you understand. It's not just picking up one word or the, the whole context of the nature of the mind, the, the, the path of wholesomeness, unskillfulness, skillfulness and so on, you know, the knowing of thoughts, the knowing of feeling, the knowing of the, uh, you know, what goes on in you. Um, you know, basically, once you know that thought is impermanent, is unsatisf- unsatisfactory and not self, and is empty of self, um, you know, you can actually um, use another thought, you know, to push it out. You know, it's like using a peg to push another peg. Yeah? And so you can, for example, once you're more familiar and your relationship to thinking is more easeful, yeah. Then you can use a thought to stop an unskillful thought from coming. You know, if that thought is harmful or unskillful or you prefer not to, you know, um, um, you know, have it, you can actually, um, just, uh, you, you don't need, if you use the wheel that would backlash, you know, because that force is, is part of the polarity of your mind. So if you push it, push it, push it, it will just kind of, it's like an elastic band, you know, it's just come back. But if consciously you say, okay, I, I breathe in and out, you know, and, and, and then you can see that that's that other thought, like buddho, or metta, maybe well, or, you know, if with awareness, you know, uh, it is helpful to hold that thought as at bay. And then, of course, you have to find out why Don't you want this thought? I mean, maybe you're clear, this is just not the kind of thought you want, you know, I mean, if you have a, I'm not talking about you now, but if you have a a murdering thought, obsessive murdering thought, well, you might want to keep it in check, you know, before you act on it. So, because you might not murder anybody, but you might murder yourself, you know, make yourself miserable, I I mean, psychologically, you know, emotionally, murder yourself by just being really so critical, you know, of yourself emotionally, sort of uh, uh, harm yourself, more like harming yourself, you know, with an emotional negative reaction, you know. So, that, so you have, you know, the capacity to be mindful. That doesn't work, you know. You can actually use another thought to push that thought away, or a reflection or something that helps you to not be frightened of that thought. Yeah? The most important thing is really to remind yourself that a thought is not as real as we think. So I'll say that again because I'm a bit deaf.
2: I think, unfortunately, uh, once you express that thought, uh, others may see it that way. In once, terms you ex- of it, once you express it.
0: Yeah. Yes, and that is, the precepts are here for that. The precepts is the expression of your mind at a level of action and speech. If you want to know where your mind is at, just find out how you act and how you speak. Maybe you don't have time to have a refined microscopic you know, uh, vision of your details of the phenomena of your mind and body, but you suddenly uh, look at your action and look at your speech take note of that because that's your mind okay manifesting in speech and action so you don't need to have any doubt you know if you act really nastily then you just have anger in your mind don't have to go very far and if you speak nastily it means anger and if you speak lovingly and kindly you could metta kindness you know there's not two ways you know I'm afraid, so I like to um, stress the importance of the precepts as being, helping, as helping your mind at a grosser level, a visible level, a clearly visible level called action and speech. It's not just being goody-goody. Don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't eat. Hello around it. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know, it's not just it's not just that. It's a very profound, you know, training of the mind, helping you to um, to know yourself at a level which is much more real. You know, a lot of the time our mind is hidden; nobody can see it. You know, so we can really play 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 the game, looking really good and uh, you know we can really believe in the pretence of the mind, you know you so you act one way and you think another, you speak nicely, but really think rotten thoughts in you about you know about people and yourself and so on, you know, so your actions are louder than words, isn't it, what they say, yeah, by body and speech, yeah, yeah, God. You want to pass on the microphone. Every time you have finished, you can bring it to the next one. Yeah, that's your exercise. You kind of, your workout at the end of the a special special offering of workout at the end of the. And you don't need to close it down. Keep it on all the time. Is yeah? it on?
3: Yeah. I was wondering. I understand the concept of thoughts, and I can look at my thoughts, and I can be detached. Not always, but um, it's getting better. However, when when there's strong emotions of fear for me, then the emotions take over the thought. So I cannot detach from thought. So I'm sitting there and I'm breathing, 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 and I'm getting completely out of awareness of consciousness. It's like a cycle, and I even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no control. Being, I call it normal. Amen. And mm-hmm. I wonder how I can detach because the emotions, the fear, take over.
0: No secret. I
3: was hoping it's for. It's all
0: that. in relationship. It's all about relationship. How do you relate to your emotions? Do you like them?
3: These emotions, not no.
0: Huh?
3: No, these particular emotions of fear, not.
0: Why not? Why not?
3: Oh my God!
0: <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. Why not? What's the problem with anger and fear?
3: No, it's not anger. It's it's fear. It's, okay. It's, it's not anger. It's not. It's it's literally fear. Um, it's not. It's not directed to anybody else, okay, just other fear than my own fear,
0: yeah, yeah, oh well, fear is uh, a very powerful emotion. and it has its usefulness, you know it's actually help us if we, when we're in danger, you know to be frightened is a good thing, you know it's like a message, be careful, and you don't have you you won't have any problem with fear once you don't mind. Inhabiting, or you don't mind fear inhabiting your mind for a short time. Fear is not a problem. It's the fear of having to have fear crossing your mind or your heart for a few minutes or maybe a few hours, even, you know. Fear is a real, I mean, I, I have worked with that myself very closely, you know. And the insight was fear is not a problem. It's just accepting that there's fear in my mind, and it's okay. It's amazing. We're really are up against something quite blinding, because I remember spending months working with fear, reading everything on fear, doing practice methods with fear, and all that kind of thing. You know, and I was really, you know, really concentrated on how to get rid of fear, well, I, of course, you know, whenever you say rid, get rid of things, because my teachers say don't get rid of everything, accept everything, and open yourself to everything, you know, it's like, of course, that's what I'm doing, I must be doing this, for sure, you know, but of course, in the back of my mind, it was the, the, the mechanism, you know, my whole program, that was completely unconscious, behind all this study, and research, and finding out, and meditation, I was on, I was on a meditation retreat at the time, Two months, you know, just sitting, walking, sitting, walking. And I remember my teacher at some point says, those who have a problem with fear keep recreating fear. And I think he must have, I don't know, whether he thought, yeah, you know, I was sitting not too far away from him. Maybe he was just feeling it, you know, all these fears. Yeah. And a penny dropped. You know, it's like my little eggs mimosa, you remember? Penny dropped when something said, You've been doing this all morning. No wonder you think about it the afternoon. That might not work for you. That might not work for anybody, but for me, it did work. And for you, for me, what worked is that, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Fear is okay. Fear is okay. No problem. It's fine. Fine to feel fear. You know, you feel a bad stomach. You don't have any problem. Do you? You fear, uh, you, you feel hot and cold. You don't have any problem. You feel happiness; you don't have any problem. You feel anger; you don't have any problem, do you? It's okay. You know, it comes and goes, condition. But fear is a difficult one; It's a very difficult to to not fear fear, so to speak. You know, but it's all about fear. And fear is in the human realm. You know, it's like it's part of this life. You have to begin to see fear as it's okay to fear. To be frightened is okay. There's no problem in being frightened. You can see it as a friend. Thank you for alerting me for something that may need fear, you know, to be on my, to be vigilant, you know? Sometimes we need that kind of reminder to be vigilant. And to accept the fact that you are frightened to f- be frightened. It's okay. Once you see this clearly, little by little, you start f- it's a start going it begins to kind of decrease and to the point where you know fear comes fear goes i mean i my experience is like it's wonderfully freeing suddenly you know you're you're frightened and it's okay and you're not frightened and it's okay and frightened again and it's okay you see i so i don't know just you stop dis- identifying with this it's a kind of identification and uh you know stickiness like stickiness in that particular situation is i don't want this fear that identification is I don't want. But if you have, neither you want nor don't want, it's like aware, then little by little, this whole feeling will be free from the emotive reactions. Do you understand? Yeah?
3: Thank you.
4: Um, the type of fear that the young lady was just talking about, is that. Um, <laughs> uh sort of your <laughs> self's perception of um yourself's perception of the anxiety that's coming up and and if you can train yourself to think of that anxiety as as something like love and your feelings for children you can almost turn that anxiety away from fear yeah um, that's right. is that something you've experienced before or
0: Well, the anxiety is part of not wanting something, you know. You're anxious because you really, the bottom line is don't want this. And you might be anxious because you haven't seen that it's impermanent. You know, you might be anxious. You will not be anxious about something if you did not know its nature, you know. If if you knew its nature, you know, if you knew that something comes and goes and it's dependent on condition and where the conditions are absent, that particular feeling goes away. So, um, yes, of course, there may be anxiety and there may be, uh, you know, whatever you see around fear is helpful,
1: you know, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Um, now, can I see your face? Yes, out? I'm here. <laughs> Hello. Does it make a difference um, what you're actually afraid because, I mean, it's a very valid feeling to be afraid of some things, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, there's this kind of free-floating fear which seems to arise out of uh, just anywhere. Mm-hmm. And there are things that happen to you. And y- fear is a really valid emotion to have and to examine what it is in this thing that is making you afraid. Is that a question or statement? It's a, it's a, it's a. I'm trying to sort my own head out of it. So if you can okay. make a question out of it, that would be, no, <laughs> that no. would be very good. So, no, um, allowing me to make a question. I out. suppose, uh, I suppose, yes. I can't, I can't say it any different. That that fear, sometimes fear, you feel fear because you have an extremely good reason. Be frightened of something?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, fear is like a surviving, me- you know, survival mechanism. Like all animals, are running with fear. You know, the slightest thing that might endanger their lives. Yeah. So, uh, but eventually, um, you know, as human being, we can uh, also um, respond to life a threatening situation, and we don't need to have fear necessarily. You know. Like many of you, I'm sure by now, you have seen the changes in you, you know, certain things were frightened, and uh, maybe some situations are still frightening, but you don't need to have a fear response to it, do you know what I mean? There's a potential for being frightened, but you don't need to catch on that, you know. Um, you know, for example, you have, I see families sometimes where they have a schizophrenic child or, you know, a child which is, you know, people will be frightened maybe with this child because of the uh, unpredictable behavior. And then you see the parents feel very at ease with this child, you know. It's like they're not frightened by the child. But Maybe somebody from outside might be scared, you know. But they themselves have learned to know the person and to... Um maybe uh, redesign better, you know to know yeah makes sense things are you know uh, um I mean if things are really frightening um it's very subjective, isn't it uh something that some people are frightened. By certain things, some people are terrified of snakes and spiders. Others just quite like them. I quite like spiders. I mean, not the one that would kill me necessarily, but generally, I've got a, you know, it's kind of animals in general, I suppose. But you know, I lived with spiders in Thailand quite a bit, and uh, I had to develop a very skillful relationship with them. You know, they had their boundaries, I had my boundaries, and uh, we were not kind of overstepping too much, you know. And so, um, yeah, when I went to Thailand, I was, you know, there was potential for being frightened of snakes and something, you know, I would really look everywhere, you know, when I walked, I was very... And three years, you know, nearly three years later, I remember I was... Wo- Walking through the, through the leaves, you know, where there could be anything, you know, a baby cobra underneath and all kind of thing. you know, suddenly I just stopped fearing, you know. But in that particular uh, situation, there was uh, also an aspect of, I mean, I'm not saying it works. Don't take it as your, you know, your recipe. But for me, there was a sense that a bit of a knowing before something is endanger, is, is going to endanger your, you, do you know what I mean? There was something that I got used to living in the forest, and there was a, a kind of natural instinct, do you know what I mean? When something was dangerous that you will know a little bit before. Not always the case, you know, but I've been lucky so far. Any other questions?
4: yeah
5: yeah um just one thing that was occurring to me, and uh, I was chatting to my wife in the interval, um that being that um, regarding thinking and mindfulness, people like uh, Baudelaire or van Gogh that were Absolute genius in their craft.
0: Baudelaire or Van Gogh. It must be because I'm French. You talk about well, yeah.
5: There, perhaps there's that <laughs> reference. Yeah. But the very fact of their genius, and I'm sure they probably, the very
0: fact of their...
5: that they were quite genius in their craft. Oh,
0: genius! Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. But um, my question would be: Do you think that they ever paid attention to? Um, to the mind and how the mind worked and or were they just uh, in almost a depressive context caught up in their creativity?
0: Let me get my cell phone. I'll just call him.
5: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were, they were being creative.
0: I have no idea to Disp- be honest.
5: You know. Despite, um, I don't think they were particularly mindful perhaps. Oh, you
0: know? i know, God knows what went on in the minds of Van Gogh or Baudelaire. You know, I just don't even want to go there. You know, it's like no idea. (laughs) I could, for me, it would be just conjectures. You know, Mm. assumptions. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't particularly want to know either. You know, I'm just happy with their creations. You know, but definitely great artists, you know, are uh, you know have a very high degree of consciousness. You know, all great artists are very, very, very conscious people, and uh, their genius is the fact that they can create new things. You know, or or not just new things. You know, their genius is to bring. uh, uh, you know, a creation, uh, empowered with the spirit, you know, with whatever it is, in something that touches people's spirit or people's heart, people's truth, or whatever you want to call it, you know. Resonate in a way that inspires you, uplifts you, you know, inspires, inspires you, not disbar, you know. Don't make you, when you some work of art nowadays, you know, bring you a lot of misery, <laughs> depressing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but they were definitely troubled people, I think. (laughs) Well, without the Dharma, I think you will be very troubled, I think. If you become very, very conscious, I mean, you go mad, I think, you know, without the understanding of the human mind. It will be very difficult to make sense of life because the world is so crazy. You know, the world, the mind, the human mind, you know, in a state of delusion is so crazy yeah and if you're very very conscious and extremely kind of connected with you know conscious power or whatever you want to call it what happened to a great artist's awareness uh, then uh, you know sometimes it's it's hard to take even you know it's it's not somebody you know um the power of truth you know i, I you know I don't want to elaborate on things that may be very you know, subjective and don't mean much sense to others you know but i in a spiritual world, you know, the, the great teacher will say that, uh, you know, you need a good container to be able to connect with the truth, you know, with, with what is real and true. Um, to wake up, you need, you know, because that really shakes your whole world, you know, inside. It really kind of uh, destroys the old world. I mean, it's a, sort of when you let go of your old world, you have to have, you're strong enough emotionally to be able to go through the transition from one world to the next one, I mean to the sort of, not the next one in terms of next life, but to losing identities, losing your memory, losing the stability of your old world, and then moving on, like in Buddhism, where suddenly you move on with the reality of change constantly, where things are moving, you can't grasp through anything, you know. I used to say to one of the nuns, I say, no, this is not a life here, you know, it's just, not real life here. No, 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 no. Don't look for life here. Remember, we're only taking refuge in one moment. <laughs> one moment at a time is changing. Ah, you know, what do I go next? Do you understand? So we have to kind of make it more solid to be able to <laughs> not go mad with it. You know, to be able to, um, you know, be this container that can enable the Dharma to go through. Yeah? To be able to interpret life in a way that is livable. <laughs> mm. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it is, it, if you don't have, Ruki, if you take the microphone, everybody can hear your voice. Yeah. Yes. Many great artists were suicidal. Yes. Yeah. yeah yeah so many, yeah yeah well, the world is pretty depressing, really, you know if you don't have uh uh you know the outlook of uh you know that the Dharma gives you in terms of uh, the potential, it's like being at peace with the world, you know it's like the world is mad, but we can be at peace with the world we do you know you don't have to destroy yourself and destroy the world because we don't destroy anything in fact. But you can realize this is a world. It's like an apple is an apple. You don't ask it to be a, you know, an, a palm tree. You know, an apple is an apple. Okay, and then the world is created by greed, hatred, and delusion. What do you expect? You know, and of course, in this aspect of the dimension of the spirituality and the awakening dimension. You know, the awaken awareness of the world and the. Potentiality of, uh, of the awakened mind, the potentiality for bringing love and happiness and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, beautiful world, yeah, in the human realm. But you can never forget the fact that the world is made up of this polarity of greed, hatred, delusion, and it's, uh, multi, uh, multi, uh, sort of forms, you know. Yeah. So can somebody take it from rookie and uh, and take it from? Yeah, don't switch it off. Yeah. So speak a bit loud. Yeah.
5: Mm.
3: The
0: the mm. hmm? when, when I talk about the body I don't talk necessarily about just a physical body do you understand I talk of, about the mind actually a strong mind but not a strong will it's just a, str- a capacity to be to make peace with all the things that comes you know without being completely shaken up or Destroyed, you know, and and I mean destroyed, I mean destroyed in killing or anything like that, I don't mean that, but just, uh, uh, you know, going to suicidal mode or, you know, feeling the world is not worth living and, you know, there's nothing I need to do, there's nothing for me to, that kind of, you know, simple deduction that people can come to when their sense of I and me is not, uh, doesn't have the central piece of attention, you know, that they have had in the past. When the eye beginning to see that it's not the, um, you know, it's not the, the most important um, thing in in, in, uh, in your life, uh, there is uh, interesting how what happens. You know, it's like you go sometimes through um, a time when Ajahn Smeder used to call it the path of practice is like a path of s- a slow nervous breakdown. He had a way, you know, of talking about these things, <laughs> quite unique. But basically, you're breaking down this identity, you know, you're breaking down your attachment little by little, you let go. So maybe at some point you say, Well, when I will be a doctor, I'll be, my life will be really, you know, successful. And then you'll become a doctor and you realize it's pure misery sometimes from the young doctors I meet. (laughs) It's like hard work. Not maybe, not miserable. I'm sure they've got lots of happiness going on in their life, but it's also very difficult work. So then, if you don't have the Dharma, you can be disillusioned with this, and then you go into another thing, and finally you go on and on. You nothing really satisfies you, and you have no way to come out of that descent. You know the kind of feeling that nothing is worth living for. You know, what makes it worth living is when you start getting, uh, you know, uh, getting more free of this identity to this illusion of me and I. Of being a separate entity from the rest of the world, of being separate, dif- di- different. You know, the sense of I is the most divisive force in our life. I am different from you. You're different from me. And again, you don't need to do anything about it. You can accept that I divides. That's all. Not a big deal. When you are caught up in I, you are like, I'm superior, I'm inferior, I'm equal, but, you know, equal is more difficult, but superior, inferior is easy to catch. Pardon me? I'm better than others. I'm better than others, yeah, that's a good one, easy one to catch. Although most people catch it for you, but you don't catch it yet. <laughs> what arrogant men or women they are, you know. But well, we're very really good at undermining ourselves. In England, particularly, I notice, you know, that being less is much better, you know. Humble and stuff. of, you know. Italian, French, you know, it's like, mm, I'm wonderful, you know. Didn't you notice? It's quite normal, you just have, you know, more positive culture, isn't it? Yeah. Not everybody, you know, she's she's French, she doesn't think that, I don't think. Yeah. No. <laughs> But being positive and a little bit sort of extra, sort of vert, is, uh, is still polite in France. not like here, in England, you know, to be too outgoing and and too self-assertive in its qualities and the good thing we have is borderline, isn't it? Accept it as' than on might not want to go too far with that <laughs> it's amazing when you're fr- i mean anyway, it's been my pet topic i so and I won't talk about it today about it yeah, with the difference between French and the English, you know so. I can make people laugh for a long, long time, but I've said put it aside today you know. uh so what was the question <laughs> i can't remember. <laughs> We finished the next one? Did did I go straight or something? Okay. Thank you. Ah, that's good, yeah.
4: The constant point of uh, uh, of the uh, thing on your talk that I enjoyed was the awareness as opposed to the object because you started with a that everyday consciousness is a subject object relationship
0: yeah
4: but the awareness has no object it can be a knowing quality but it cannot be objectified so the liberation it, yeah the liberation is in i think you constantly said throughout was in the awareness so no matter what arises a uh, thought, emotion, mental contents, fear. Yeah. There's the knowing quality of that.
0: That's right, that's right. Yeah, and that is a, a stage in one's practice, you know, where you begin to be aware of the awareness, you know, you be conscious of the refuge, what we do call the refuge, you know, yeah. That's right. I mean, this is for me, that was the thing I trusted, this is the only thing I trusted from the beginning, for me, there was nothing else, not that I distrust the rest, but i I knew, um, you know, that there was only one place in oneself that would, <laughs> I could say from my ego point of view, crush the whole thing and drop it in the cosmic bin, you know, on a more kind of, you know, uh, heart level. It'll be just practicing the Buddhist teaching <laughs> correctly. Do you know what I mean? But what I meant by c- crush the whole thing, it means like I knew I will, I will be on a fast lane, basically. You know, my, my mind was still wanting to get quick results, you know. And I knew the quickest result was just to stay in that refuge in awareness. But, and I had a monastery to do that, you understand? It's not many places where you go to your boss and say, you know, sorry, I just need to feel the permanence of my gut feeling right now. <laughs> you know? Or, do <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, let me just check, you know, whether my wisdom is established or not. Or whether I'm mindful. In but in a monastery, that's all you do. <laughs> it's very simple, isn't it, Anna? <laughs> you have all the time in the world to do this you know and of course you have. and that's what you that's the only expectation you, the only thing you expected to be uh, you know interested in is that you know this refuge of awareness and of course that means not simple it's just in every aspect of one's life you know that people are too heedless for too long at some point they don't can't live here for you know anymore they just have to really um, pull up their socks a bit. Their mindfulness socks. (laughs) (laughs) So, does... Any other questions? No? No, Okay, pass, pass, yeah. yeah. Because you have many people just beside me who cannot hear so well, I'm sure. There's on the, they're on the borderline yet. Yeah. Not completely deaf,
4: but... I apologize. On the way. Um, I'm kind of sat here thinking about the thoughts that go around thinking about stopping thinking. <laughs> That's the kind of person I overthink I know. everything. Um, That's right. And there's there's like a, a hundred different thoughts and feelings and, and trying to dis- disentangle those. You spoke about disentanglement. Mm-hmm. disentanglement. Mm-hmm. Do you have to acknowledge all of those thoughts and the feelings or is there like a magic thing that I can let go of them all at once would be ideal
0: it would be ideal I agree you know I like once
4: you know? but as long as it doesn't involve shaving my head or anything I'm I'm I'm, I'm up for anything
0: no no I think you you know I think it's important to relax
4: yeah people do tell me that <laughs> Funnily enough.
0: But yeah. it's important to relax with the fact that you're not relaxed, you know what I mean?
4: I won't tell you what my last job was, but it was a long time. No, but you didn't hear what
0: I said. You didn't hear what I said. Something very important. Okay, go on. Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> That's it. What, can you just breathe in gently now?
4: <laughs> okay. I'll try.
0: No, so what I was saying is that you can relax with your life as it is. Do you understand? so that you don't have to become somebody else. You're okay. You're okay. right. all right. Yeah. And, you know, many things makes us think a lot. Double check. How much cup of coffee do you drink a day? I'm not saying you, but just in general. 20, 20. Ah, well, there you go. I read this. I got the spot and the right spot there. I didn't realize I was kind of hitting on just the right spot. So, could you cut down on coffee? Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, it's I going c- to make a big difference for I you.
4: I have already cut down on the other things that I used to use to stop thinking. So. To stop what? To th- I have already cut out the other things that I used to use. To I stop hear thinking. that. Yeah, so, I heard that. So now I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck with. They don't work anymore. Okay,
0: well, that's very good, you know, for you just to be really happy with you to to be have the sense of joy, but coffee and I I, I don't want to say I love coffee, but I, dr- I I have actually made a a certain determination not to drink that that amount of coffee myself, you know, not to stop coffee altogether for a while. So um, you know, to for you, you might not be able to drop it straight away, but just begin to notice the difference. In terms of emotion, emotional and uh, physical uh, physical experience, your body how does your body and your head feels like when you don't have so much coffee? You know, and then maybe once you start seeing that you think less, you're more relaxed, you're more at ease. It has to be an experience for you to be motivated in a way. You have to have some experience of this. Maybe just um, you, you know, I don't. I think you need to congratulate yourself you know, for the fact that you have abandoned a lot of things already and now because of that maybe you're becoming aware of all the stuff that was behind all these things you were taking, do you understand? So it's not like it's something wrong, it's more like you have become more conscious and aware of the stuff that was held at bay. Yeah, okay. it's no but. No, no, band the butt from your life, so it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, and, and so replace them, you can say and instead, you know. And, it's not easy to give up coffee. You know, it's not, the coffee is not a problem, it's not easy to give up the experience of a mind and body under the influence of coffee. Do you understand? It's the whole experience of yourself that needs to be looked at, you know. And sometimes we're wired up to be really stressed, you know. So we're wired up to be really heavy, to be really, um, you know, in a kind of warlike, in a kind of sort of welfare with oneself. Do you understand? We're wired up. So I would encourage you to do anything that can relax you, that can just, uh, you know bring you a different body mind experience that you get used to after a while. You get used to something more relaxing, more easeful, more accepting, more kind and loving. And as you get used to it, it becomes more natural. But at first it's like when I'm like this, you know, it's like I feel normal. I'm not competing you, you know, but like inside, you may feel like that. And suddenly you're like this, and you feel, oh my god, this is really weird, you know, it's not me, I'm not me, I'm just not like that, you know. (laughs) I want to be like this, you know. And, uh, you know, but little by little, you know, when you come to Amaravati and you hear people talk and so on, you know, little by little, you start relaxing a little bit more, your persona start, you know, doesn't have to stay in the old one, you know. so I think the fact that you have abandoned many other things is a great progress, you know, for you in your own in you know personal life. And it's funny that I thought you were taking too much coffee. I had no idea. <laughs> no. It's not every day. That is no, day. no. I don't think it is
4: coffee.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it takes time, you know. It's not easy. It takes time to, um, um, you know. To do what you want to do, you know, what you're saying, what you're asking, meet, you know, just not think so much and so on. But the most important things is to have a refuge. And this refuge is a part of you that is okay with what is happening as long as you, as long as if you have terrible thoughts, you don't act on them. Do you know what I mean? That you have a refuge that enables you to look at your mind without moving. Do you know? Still, with a stillness inside. You can look at yourself, but you're not sinking or going up and down with it, you know? Do you understand? That makes sense? Now, you have to wait for the microphone, because out of compassion, remember, for everybody. Is it working?
3: I would like just add to all of that, that it does not have to take long, and it does not have to be difficult either.
0: That's right.
3: The overthinking, it may just go itself in a very short span of time, but follow, trust yourself. That's right. Go where you feel like you need going, do what you feel like you need doing, and stop drinking coffee. That's
0: right. Well, that's an encouragement, isn't it? Now you have to be being too cynical about yourself, eh? <laughs> it's very beautiful, what she just said. No? Yeah. Very encouraging,
6: yeah. Okay. Uh, if I may say something, um, coming back to the... Uh, it, it, it's difficult at the beginning, though. One has to start somewhere. And I'm coming back to uh, the intervention about when you have a thought or a feeling that's sticking, that doesn't go away. And I, my experience has been, uh, for, one, but I mean, first you ha, you are working on all levels, and once I really got, like in the guts, that understanding of anicca impermanence, mm. one thing that helped me when I went through a difficult time, was when I was bad thought I, I was having bad thoughts or sticking thoughts, things that would always come back or feelings, that this confidence in a way that it it wasn't going to stay. So when it only stays a few minutes, then it's easy. But when it sticks to your mind for days and weeks, and it comes back even over the years, yeah. okay, well, I I was lucky to have (laughs) encountered that teaching. And when I had support, it was easier. Yeah. When you don't have support, that's really, really, yeah. really difficult. Okay. So then I kind of, of uh, when I was in a situation, at uh, times I did not really have support I had to turn to, that was hard, that was hard. Yeah. And what I did, actually, um, well, if I could find a way to take it out of that inner experience,
5: Yeah
6: by anything, writing or going to movies and try to catch from those stories, which are kind of, you know, it could be us or whatever, in the news and all that. Well, what could I learn from the experience of other people that yeah. are expressing mm. that experience and all that? And then one way I, I found was the counteraction, so to speak. Go to the contrary, I mean, by starting to learn a little bit about about me, well, over the time, I realized, and it any time I had some bad feelings or whatever, it was that ego that wanted to protect itself. And I mean, at the foundation, you go back to that, you know. And when you can open and and see Mm -hmm. that we actually don't see the limits of our body, we only get that image of us because the other people are sending it back to us. And maybe one mistake is maybe to look into the mirror or something like that. But the experience itself is really opening to the, to the present. And all we are is really an openness. Yeah. We don't see our eyes or our ears. So we are a bunch of sensations. We are getting the world through all these senses. Mm-hmm. So the counteraction for me was, um, well, through the help of some friends that kind of forced me to go to some parks and all that. I would not have gone by myself. And I love nature. And then I found a spot it's just any time i go there it's like that world opens up and some of my friends might say oh it's raining today and they're sad and all that and i made the experience actually of, of that changing element in the nature at the same spot and whether it rains or the moon shines or it's nighttime or it's sunshine or mm. there are some props so to speak some uh yeah some where Um, I can rest and be at peace, and I know in that landscape where I'm in it. Mm. There's no danger, there's no... And then that opening is easier, and with patience, and it's true, like you have to be (laughs) patient, uh, that release, the thought goes away, uh, and then there 's this opening to that beauty, and mm-hmm. then that feeling that whatever happens in the street or back you know yeah. with the shops and all that, there is a space you go, and there 's that thank opening, yeah. and it 's wonderful yeah. when you have that yeah. okay so thank you very much, now yeah. one trick I used i just finished with that uh, when i I, I got aware that the contents of the thought or the feeling, this is not what's important. As long as we say with the content, or we're angry because he did that, she did that, or whatever, if we can get away from that, and what I did, it was not easy, I have to admit. It took years before I could actually create a certain distance with the feeling I was experiencing and and the understanding of it and not reproducing it, was actually to get into the sensation it did to me, yeah. to to help to get away from the content. Yeah. Uh, so with anger was easier, because anger, the idea is anger, you, you feel it more in your body because there's the way to, you know, either hit or, or say some bad words and all that. And if you can stay with the physical sensation it does yeah. with you or, you know, like it. Does something to your guts and all that, you stay with that and you get away from the contents and stay with what it does to your your body Mm. and then it will disappear anyway. So when we start making that experience, that experience of the disappearing of of the physical sensation, you get away from the contents and then you look at the person you were angry at and you're no longer angry. And if we keep doing that over and over it gets easier after, Thank and you. then there's a liberation right. coming right. from that. Right. So that's what I wanted to contribute. Thank you, Josette.
0: So is there anybody who wants to have another question? or We are. No? All problems solved. It's great, isn't it? Well, I'll be here for a few more minutes, you know, so please feel free to come and see me or to, you know, so we can just adjourn. Yeah.